Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. Hopefully you all are doing wonderful. Uh, who remembers what I talked about last time? It was just a few weeks ago. Anyone remember? Yes, sin. Sin. <laughs> Good, yeah. That three-letter word, sin. And we went over a lot of stuff on sin. And, uh, I, you know, I said that was going to be a tough message. And for some of you, this, this, this message might be a little bit tougher uh, because this is what goes on with sin that we need to understand, and it starts with an F, and it's called forgiveness. You're like, oh, that's, that's, that doesn't sound too hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's only why Jesus talks about it and, and deals with it, because um, we're not perfect. If anyone is perfect, please let me know. I need to take notes. But um, no one's perfect. We, we all sin. We all do things wrong. And we need forgiveness. And this word is often thrown around throughout the world, really. Um, but what is forgiveness? And, that, and that's the question we have to understand. What does forgiveness mean? And why is it so important to us? Now, here are some quotes or maybe ways that people have defined forgiveness throughout history. Um, maybe you've heard this quote before. To err is human, to forgive divine. is divine. Does anyone know who actually said that? Alexander Pope was one. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Do you know who said that one? I just did right there, but I can't take credit because that was Martin Luther King Jr. Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. Who said that? Anyone? Trying uh, JFK. John F. Kennedy gave us that one. This one might be a little bit different. There isn't time, so brief is life, for bickerings, apologies, heartburnings, callings to account. There is only time for loving. And, but an instant, so to speak, for that. That was from Mark Twain. Here's two from uh, someone we may know. I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like settling or setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That was given to us by C.S. Lewis. And my final one, as I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Nelson Mandela. There are a lot of quotes out there, by the way. You just <laughs> quote on forgiveness and you will see hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of quotes. Some are powerful. Some, not so much. But the world understands the power of forgiveness despite whatever their beliefs, uh, whatever beliefs they may hold. However, forgiveness is not often practiced. Maybe not the fullness of forgiveness. Why? Because pain's involved, if we're really honest. The simple mistakes and misunderstandings are, 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 not are not taking much space in our hearts. But those deep pains, those ones, the betrayals, the hurts, are the ones that take root and can cause bitterness. Maybe towards a person or just in life in general. Even as I speak, you may even have memories of these type of pains. You can recount the pain what was happened, maybe the faces, or even know their names. And so many of these can be life-altering. However, despite being a principle the world values, it is a principle that is essential to our everyday walk as, as the church. It's also important to our salvation. Unforgiveness, and this is important, unforgiveness has the ability to reverse the work of the cross in our lives. Do you realize that? Going back to the Nelson Mandela quote, to keep unforgiveness is truly to be in prison. Moreover, more than just a personal one, but an eternal one. And that is why there is freedom in forgiveness. 
If you want a sermon title, that's it, Freedom and Forgiveness. And thankfully, Jesus gives us a beautiful parable about the importance of forgiveness in God's eyes. We'll see how God forgives, which is important, how God expects us to forgive, and the consequences when we don't. So if you can, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to go through verses 21 through 35. This is popularly known as the parable of the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And I'll go ahead and begin reading. Then Peter came up to him, meaning Jesus. Lord, how often will my brother sin? Oh, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, and he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused. And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Happy message, right? Because there is hope in there, but there's also a warning. And so we have to understand what's going on kind of leading up to this and why this is kind of the sequel uh, to, to what I was talking about last time, right? Because in chapter 18, Jesus starts this series of teaching that will continue uh, through the chapters as Jesus nears the cross. And as he's sitting here, we got to pay attention to these verses. It's almost like Jesus gave us a sermon series right here. Like each one of these can be its own little just nugget of sermons. And so Jesus is sitting here, and, and the question was asked, who is the greatest, Jesus? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? And obviously Jesus is saying, you need to be a servant. This is those who are servant. And then he pulls a little child. you gotta have, you got to be like this little child. And oh, by the way, here comes Jesus introducing sin into this whole conversation. If you cause one of these little ones to stumble, basically you, cause one, you help cause one of these people to, uh, to sin, these little ones to sin, woe to you. And then Jesus goes on about the temptations of sin because he understands there's these temptations to sin. And that's where we talked about a little bit last time, right? Of plucking out your own eye, cutting off your hand type thing. Don't do that literally. Um, but, you know, the idea of you need to get rid of sin in your life. It's not worth it. And then Jesus goes into the parable of the lost sheep, right? God's unrelenting love to save all right? This is the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one lost sheep, right? Because God's idea is, I'm here to save all. There is no one who does not have access to God through Christ. It's our decision. And then finally, before this one, we get the, if one sins against you, right? We discussed this kind of more in detail last week. This is the one where you confront the brother. And if they don't repent of that sin, then you got to bring it two more, a couple more for a witness. And then if they don't, then you go to the whole church. And if they don't still repent, then excommunication, right? That's kind of what's supposed to happen. And so now Jesus comes into this parable because, you know, it's important for us to understand what it means to forgive and what forgiveness is about. And Peter was very inquisitive, right? He's like, all right, Jesus. So you just talked about this brother sinning against me. Great. 
we'll we'll ask him hopefully he'll repent and you know all that good stuff but Jesus, how, how many times does this guy get to sin against me before you know we don't right like how many times god because sounds like to me seven would be really nice like peter probably sat there like i'm gonna be holy seven seven's got to be a good number because let's be honest if someone did something to you over and over and over how many times are you going to let them do that in the natural right over and over some type of sin you know they take something from you they 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 say mean things to you over and over whatever that case may be how many times are you going to forgive them until you're like all right i want blood I want something more. I want my revenge. Right? <clears throat> and Jesus is like, it's a nice number, Peter, but uh, let's try 70 times 7. Now, some people, scholars will say, well, that just means 77. Or if you want to do the math, 490 times. What is Jesus really getting at there is, it doesn't matter how many times, Peter. Forgive. If they do it 490 times to you, that's a lot. It's a lot, but forgive. You always must forgive. And here's why. And so Jesus then opens up this beautiful parable, but he starts with saying, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. And that's where we need to first understand and immediately stop. Jesus brings in God's loss. This is God, right? If, if we are saying we're Christians and we are church and we are, and Jesus is the head of the church and we are being, uh, you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit and, and led by the Holy Spirit, and then that means we are subjecting ourselves not to man's laws, but to the kingdom of heaven, to God's laws. No matter what wisdom there is out there, there are certain times when you see this is how the kingdom of heaven is. Pay attention. Because Jesus is saying, this is how you're supposed to operate here. Because we are ruled by God. And so here's a king, and he comes out, and he's here to settle accounts. Right? There's a very interesting parable because we have a tension here. We have the tension of a future judgment, but yet there's a present reality. Meaning, we will all stand judgment. I think we all understand that to some level. Hopefully everyone's heard that at some point. If it's not... Here's your first time. But we're all sitting here. There is a pending judgment. And so we have this tension, but this parable brings in some f realistic present things that we have to deal with. And it's not hard to figure out who the king is, right? It's God. You know, this, this isn't a parable that you sit there and you're trying to dissect and say, okay, what is, what is Jesus really getting at here? This one's a fairly in your face. You should be able to figure it out. The king is God. And he's settling these accounts. And it's judgment time. Now, we don't see any other servant before the king. None. Because the servant we're about to see is the servant that represents every single human being on this planet. Past, present, future. That is who this servant represents. And his account? How much did he owe? 10,000 talents, right? You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> right? And I got a little cliff note, right? And it goes straight down. 10,000, uh, a talent was worth 6,000 denarii. Cool, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Let me give you what a denarii meant in that day. It meant a day's wage. A talent in their times would have meant 20 years of work. Okay, now you're getting the aspect of it. So when they heard 10,000 talents, let me just do the quick math for you. That's 200,000 years of work this man owed. Anyone lived to 200,000 yet? Right? Closest we got, someone making it closest to 1,000. Methuselah, right? 965? Something like that's 900s. <laughs> He's got 200,000 years of debt. Like, don't spend any money on yourself. Go work for 200,000 years. 
and then you'll pay off this debt. And seeing that no one can live that long, even if you got two jobs, <laughs> you're not going to do it. There's no way he was going to pay this debt out. Right? This is where Dave Ramsey would be very disappointed in this servant. And there's no declaring bankruptcy either. It's not like in this world. I'm way out of debt, unless you got student loans. Uh, I'm way out of debt. Am I oh, bankrupt? I'll just take a black mark for seven years on my credit score and I'm out from my debt. Nope. There's no bankruptcy here. It is debt to the king. Now, obviously, the servant did not have the ability. And so judgment came, right? I mean, <laughs> judgment was coming. So all things were to be sold, including his entire household, right? All this is supposed to be, it wouldn't even really make a dent in what he owed, but it is what was required. Slavery, never to be free again. And so the servant did what we would all probably do in the presence of the king. Beg, yes, beg for mercy. Have mercy on me. And of course the servant's like, I'll pay it all back. Talk about an empty promise. I'll pay it all back, king. I'll do it. Of course the king knew. There was no way. And so the king instead showed mercy upon the servant and said, you're forgiven. That's the first reality of what forgiveness is. If you want to say, what is forgiveness? You know the Lord's Prayer, right? When we get to that part, right? Have you ever recited it with everyone before in a, in a church service, right? And you go to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bed and forgive us our... <laughs> There's three answers out there, right? Trespasses, sins, debts, Right? I used to hate the word debts in that one. I'm like, why, why debts? Why is debts? Then I read this parable. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Now I'm like, oh, I, I love that word in there. That's, that's the way I say it now is, is forgive us our debts. Because it really puts in portrayal what's happening. We are indebted to God because of our sins. There, 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 there is an accumulation of debt because of our sins. And we accumulate that possibly almost every day. We'll get more into that later. But beyond that and understanding that forgiveness is letting go of a debt, something that you are owed. Right? Because of our sin, we owe God something. Because God created us, and God had made us in his own image, and God had this plan for us, and then Adam and Eve screwed it up. We talked about that last time, too. We are sitting here in an unpayable debt. Right? But that's why Christ came. To pay that debt. The debt that we could not pay. And so what's the most important thing to note here? That God will forgive you of any sin if you plead for his mercy through Christ. 10,000 talents, 200,000 years of work. I can't even gather what that would be. But everything is forgivable. And you might be sitting there, what about the unforgivable sin that Jesus talks about? Thank you, biblical scholars. <laughs> The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I have come to come to understand it as you reject Christ. That's what's unforgivable. Through it all, the mission of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit speaks to is you need Christ. And so to reject Christ is in to be unforgiven. And so if you sit there and you're thinking, well, I might have done this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you probably haven't. As long as you've accepted Christ. So now that we got that cleared out of the way, every other sin, think of them all. Every single one of them. I don't care what you're thinking and what atrocities you're thinking. They are forgivable under God through Christ. You know, I have the unique ability to work with people that 
are called to do some very tough things. One of them is take someone's life. They're ordered. They're put in combat situations. They're asked to serve this country, hence the celebration we're doing today. Today, men and women are asked every day to go out, defend democracy, defend this country, defend others, and they're asked to take a life if necessary. Whether it's through that weapon, whether it's a drone dropping something, whatever. They are asked to take a life. Many of them have resolved, this is what I was called to do. This is a line of duty. And then there's others who take the moral injury of, but I still took a life. And I work with them. They deal with it. Some feel unworthy of forgiveness. Yet this passage says differently. No one in this room, in this entire world, of the seven billion plus people on this planet, are unworthy of God's forgiveness. That's the most important thing to remember. Second thing to remember that we've learned is we all sinned. One sin does not rack up more debt than another. Sin is sin. They are a wall worth 10,000 talents. We can't work our way out of this debt no matter how many good deeds we have done. When people say, well, what about all these good people who do great things on this world? And there are, there are people who are not Christians who do great things on this world. Welcome to whatever many days and lives you still can't work off your 200,000 years of debt. I don't care how good you are. You can't save yourself. We all have to have Jesus. But that also means we all have to stay in a state of repentance. This is why when Jesus said, when you pray, and <laughs> probably most of us pray on a daily, if not weekly basis. And so when you pray, Jesus says, this is, here's the flow of things. It's going back to the Lord's Prayer we just talked about. When you pray, don't forget about asking for forgiveness. Because be really honest, yeah, maybe there's, there's, there's sins that we do that we don't realize that are not probably going to like keep us out of heaven. I'm not here to make you paranoid, okay? But at the same time, we probably do mess up something, some way, some words, some attitude, some disobedience of some sort, whatever the case may be. And so we need to always reflect and say, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, forgive me. Show me where I need to change. This is the heart of repentance. This is a, the humility because we're imperfect and we know that. We're working towards perfection, but we are never perfect. And so, you know, we have to remember to ask for forgiveness. Probably every time we pray, it's a good thing to do. But yet there's a tagline, thanks to Jesus, even in that prayer. Right? Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's that's next portion. Others debt to us. So the servant is ten thousand talents richer. Not with money in hand, like in a tangible way, right? He's not going to the bank account, you know, bank of the kingdom of heaven and saying, hey, I got ten thousand talents in there, I get to withdraw. <laughs> no. But he's richer nonetheless. And he finds a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii and violently demands it. Now, we have to understand this is still a significant amount in the servant's eyes and to ours. I mean, the average American, according to Google, because that's whatever we check things, so fact check, right? Because everything on the internet's true. Abe Lincoln said that. Um, <laughs> the average American makes about $41,000 a year. That's according to it all. Obviously, some less. We know about people who make more. We're somewhere in there. Which means if we take that kind of like, okay, 100 denarii, okay, we'll count it as a third 
right? 100 days of wages. I know there's like 365. Let's just go with my math here. Make it easy for me. All right, so we'll do a third, and it hits you between 13 to $14,000. Now, who would like to have 13 to $14,000 directly deposited in their bank account today? Anyone? No, no, no one needs that. If you got fourteen to thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars available to deposit, please come see me after church, and we will work on that. <laughs> because I am happy to relieve that if you're not in need or be happy with that money. All right. So there wasn't a lot of hands. So you guys are doing really well off, and I need to talk to you about them for portfolios. We got a whole other conversation afterwards. Okay. <laughs> But I would imagine that most of us would say, yeah, thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars would be quite significant. Right? I mean, someone owed you thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars. You gave them that money and you're like, I would like that back, you would, would probably like it back. Right? Some of you'd be like, with interest. <laughs> you are a banker. Anyways, <laughs> right? It's significant. And the servant was justified by, I'm going to do the quote-unquote, the law. Did not the king just try to settle his debt with him? He wasn't actually doing anything per se against the law. He had the rights to that thirteen dollars to $14,000. He had his legal rights to that thirteen dollars to $14,000 according to this parable. really think about that but just as much as the king was right to what he was owed the servant also had the right to forgive just like the king and that's when we know things go wrong because this fellow servant the fellow servant that owed money who was in debt to this other servant this 10,000 talent richer servant does the exact same wording plead? I'll get you your money. Just give me time. Now, this one's actually more doable, but give me time. I'll get you your money. And, but I did not turn, change the servant's heart. This unforgiving servant did what was lawful again, when we get to the king, he doesn't really say that he did anything unlawful. It's a whole nother thing that's going on in the background. Something with his heart. Something that is obviously wicked. But this servant, within the law, again, throws his, this fellow servant in jail until the debt would be repaid. Nice guy. So let's reflect on that before we keep moving. Of course, we sit here and shake our heads as a servant, probably thinking, what a failure. Maybe we agree with the king. You're wicked. Man, that is one ungrateful guy. And you're correct in your judgments. You are absolutely 1,000% correct. But the question becomes, how many of us act just this way? Our forgiveness each day from God is not tangible. There is no bank statement telling us that we what we owe and what has been forgiven. Right? I, I can't pull out my phone. I don't have the bank of Jesus. And I don't see what I'm occurring and what's being forgiven. I don't get the, welcome, you're debt free. <laughs> right? Pay off your car. You get the title. There's nothing. There's nothing tangible for us to hold on to. It's not in our face every day. Not even for the servant was it in his face. He was just forgiven that debt. Sure, it was tangible because of the weight lifted. We understand the forgiveness we get, and that would be a weight lifted, right? I mean, if you have a mortgage on your house and the bank just said, eh, it's yours. We don't need any more money. People would be like, first of all, can we have that prayer meeting? Second of all, you would be pretty grateful in that. You'd be like, what do I do with this money now? <laughs> Just got to pay taxes, I guess. But, you know, property taxes, but I don't owe the bank anything more. The house is mine. Everything of this value is mine. No one can just take it away from me. But we don't have that. We also don't see 
this king sitting on his throne looking over us, always seeing us. But we always say, Jesus is with us. He's in our heart, don't we? So he's actually seeing us every day. The problem is, she's not like physically here. How different would we act if we just saw Jesus always walking right beside us? Of course, we might still be like Peter and cut an ear off. Um, but, I mean, we probably would act a little bit different, right? If you don't know, I'm a chaplain. When I walk into the room with a bunch of Marines, sailors, Coast Guardsmen, language changes drastically. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the perception I'm like relax you guys <laughs> right I'm just the chapel now if Jesus was standing me I'd probably be the exact same way or oh, Jesus what do I say don't, don't, say, don't say that no wait even though Jesus can see everything knows everything whatever <laughs> like it really matters he can see into my hearts like he did with everybody else but again this servant left the presence of the king forgetting what he had just experienced. But the king always knows what is happening. And the pains of others, the pains that others inflict are real. This is something else we need to understand. They are felt to the core. And they feel much more tangible. Let's be honest with that. Those are real tangible things. Because they are deep in our core. They are pains that we have been carrying or have, put, have been put upon us. And we likely have to see these people each day. The people we have, the hardest people to, to, to forgive usually are those people who have had great meaning or, or whatever the case. But we may have to see them in our house, at work, schools, church, and more. We're reminded of what they do because we don't have that divine nature to forget like God, right? When God forgives us, the sin is separated as far as the east is from the west, right? It's, it's, but in our world, you can't forget. To forgive and forget means forget the debt, but you're not going to forget that pain. Don't think that you can. That's not forgiveness in that sense. And that's what makes this hard. But nevertheless, we are to forgive others, or our fate becomes like the servants, right? And that's what this ending of this passage goes on. And I'm not going to belabor this, right? The servants, fellow servants, not like God really needs fellow servants to go rat on another servant. He already knows. But it gets to the king. The king calls him in. He's like, what, what are you doing? How? You just left my presence. You just left me, and I just forgave you 10,000 talents. And this guy owes you 200 denarii, and you threw him in jail. It's not that the king didn't understand that he was owed something. It's, but you were forgiven so much. How could you not in that moment Forgive someone that owed you so little. What's 200 denarii off 10,000 talents? Don't ask me to do how many denarii that is. Whoever could do 10,000 times 6,000 real fast for me, thank you very much. That's how many denarii that's in. 200 looks really small in that number. I just know that. And so the king says this judgment befalls on the servant. The king orders the servant's judgment to be reinstated. That should kind of put a holy fear in our hearts. When I said that unforgiveness can reverse the works of the cross, that is what I'm talking about. This is something we have to understand. If 
If you can't forgive those around you as God has, then are you truly being an ambassador of Christ? That's what we're called to be. Ambassadors of Christ. When people want to say, well, what does God's forgiveness look like? Can you actually give them your own testimony and witness to that? Can they see it in the church amongst the people? Or do we hold grudges? Because to hold on forgiveness does not reflect Christ. We just just talked about what Christ is going through. What he did. Who are you looking for? Jesus. That's me. Don't cut off an ear. Puts that ear back on. Goes. If you can't forgive, you're not a child of God, but one of wrath. You are not being transformed in the image of Christ. And before I go on with more of the thoughts of what forgiveness is, let me talk about what's not. Because you may be sitting here trying to rack your brain. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, buts. I know the yeah, buts. All right? But let's talk about what I'm not saying. I am not saying you're not allowed to feel hurt. You are allowed to feel hurt. You are allowed to feel pain. You should if it's something that you have to forgive. Because we are not robots. And so I'm never going to ask you, you're never going to sit there and, and hear, well, th- it's really painful to think about. Yes, it, it, it probably is. There are pains, there are things that I've experienced in my own life. They will never go away. But they also transformed me. They made me who I was today. And I let God heal me through those moments. I'm also going to say you are not always required to fully reconcile. But you are urged to do the best to your ability. Example, affairs, abuse, things of that nature. You can, you can try to repair, but sometimes trust is so broken and the pain is so real that it's, reconciliation is not possible. But forgiveness always is and according to God, is required. I mean, Jesus, the Bible already says, listen, if the, if in a marriage, if there was an affair and you get a divorce, it's, it's understandable. We understand that there are certain moments that reconciliation to the fullest of a relationship may not be possible. And so don't think that, but... You should always be bent towards that first in some ways, if possible. But it's not always possible. It's even harder if that person is not a Christian. That might make it even more impossible to do at that time. And it doesn't mean that the person who has sinned or who has this debt should not be held accountable in some way. If you're the person in the wrong, I'm just going to say this, we're going to Kind of go out and you should do all you can to reconcile and repay. Especially if you're a Christian. If all that uh, can be done is a true apology followed by actively changing yourself, it's a start. And you need to ask, obviously, God for forgiveness. You need to forgive yourself. And you need to practice forgiveness in your own heart. Because it's very possible that other person's not going to... Again, they could be of the world. They could not be a Christian. And they hold everything against you. And it's going to be painful. You're going to have to forgive yourself. And you might have to start forgiving the other person because they are holding it against you. Treating you in ways that are are not okay too. And if civil law has consequences, I am not saying that they should be ignored. That system's in place for a reason. But we have to, again, work towards our forgiveness. Now, granted, in the, in the New Testament, we find accounts, Paul says, hey, listen, if two of you have got this, 
this argument, this debt, don't bring it to the courts, right? Like, handle it in a church. Hopefully the church, ran by God, will give a holy kind of conjunction. That gets a little stickier today with everything going on, but that was kind of the idea because the last thing I want are two Christians going before the world's courts, bickering back and forth, calling each other names, demanding all this, and they're supposed to be witnesses, and people are probably going to know they're Christians. And Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we not just settle that in the church to the best of our ability? Cannot the authority of God, kingdom of heaven, give divine judgment in whatever way and figure out what's the best way of doing this? But at the same time, there are people who have done things that are horrendous. And they are in positions, or they are Christians, or they are people, well, I'm going to put quote-unquote Christians at those moments. And I'm not going to sit there and say they shouldn't be held accountable to the law because they should. But it still doesn't mean we need to forgive. We have to forgive. So how do we forgive? If you haven't figured it out, let go of the debt. Let it go. Elsa, let it go. You may never get an apology. I have some people who hold on to that debt. If only they would apologize. Really? You might not ever get it. So then what? Because in the end, it's going to hurt more, you more than the person, really. I know it's easier said than done. And it may need to be done on a daily. You may need to go to counseling. There are things in this world and there, there is an emotional level just as much. And you may need to work through some major pains. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know your life. I don't know what your childhood was like. I don't know. All I know is that it may need to be done daily. I had to do it for a while. I've had to go through counselings. I've had to do different things to find healing to get to that point where I'm really not holding a debt. Sometimes it's work, but it is a daily attitude, right? Isn't that what Martin Luther King, my first quote, said? Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. But once you've learned to work through it, you will find that you're better for not holding on to it. Because you need to remember, no matter the debt, it never compares to ours to God, like what we owe to God, no matter what it is. And if God can forgive anything, and we are supposed to be the representation, then we need to as well. Because if we, if we can't forgive, but God can forgive them, are you more righteous than him? But when we can't forgive, we're saying that. If that person who has pained you in every way truly went to Christ, repented, asked for forgiveness, changed their life, truly making amends and working and being who Christ called them to be, Do you still hold the bitterness towards them? But the better question is, is are they worth your salvation and your eternity? Is whatever you're holding on to, that debt, worth it? So how do we know if we've forgiven? It's just kind of me now, right? My basic litmus test, the first one is, do I want to see him in heaven? <laughs> That's probably a really good thing. If I'm sitting here and say, if that person repented, they don't deserve to go to heaven, blah, 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 blah. They should never see the pearly gates, whatever, the streets of gold, all those things, blah, blah, blah. If Jesus saves in, then who am I serving? A forgiving king that forgave you 10,000 talents too. The person you're serving then is yourself. 
and what you're owed. Another good litmus test, if you hear their name, see their face, maybe even hear things going well for them, are you embittered towards them? Are you hoping they fail, have ill done? I've talked to plenty of people. I've forgiven that person, then they talk about that person, and it is not forgiveness. <laughs> you hear the bitterness in their hearts. Not the pain. The bitterness is taking root. I mean, what do they say about bitterness in the Bible? It what? It rots, I heard it whispered, rots the bones. Yeah, rots the bones. There. And bitter, bitterness will destroy you from the inside. It will rot you to the core. The only solution to that is forgiveness. And how else can we know? Do you pray for them? If they'd done you that wrong, would you not want them to find themselves in the mercy of Christ too? Can we pray for them? It's usually the, the ultimate one. It's a good test. Some of those people that pop in my brain once in a while as I work through life and I hit things and things trigger those memories or, or whatever the case may be, I, I sit there and I, I would always hope I do it. I know I have forgiveness, but Sometimes I do sit there and I'm like, let's just pray for him. In that moment, why not? I don't know what's going on with them. They're not in my life anymore. Some of those people I did not ever reconcile with because it was not ability to and needed to be over. Others just, just because we, we left distance-wise. But do we pray for them? So ultimately, we have to understand forgiveness is our ultimate freedom after Christ's freedom to us. The first freedom is obviously the debt, the 10,000 talents being forgiven. The next freedom is us forgiving the debts owed to us. Living in God's mercy, portraying God's love, and forgiving, and forgiving, and forgiving. Because I can promise you, if it's not today, this week, maybe not even this month, someone will hurt you. Someone will sin against you. I'm throwing that probability. If I had that probability, I'd be going to the lottery ticket as well and taking the numbers because it's going to happen. So I encourage each of you to reflect in your heart as I pray. Reflect if those, it, it probably happened throughout the sermon, those that pop in your brain. Those that you can say, this is it. This is what I relate to. This is who it is. You have to work through the fact that it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't. That's scriptural. It does not matter what that sin against you. I don't care if they owe you a thousand talents. It's still not 10,000. The debt that God has forgiven you is so much more vast. The promise of eternity is worth holding on to. That debt will take it all away. And so work towards that. Like I said, this one can be harder than my last message. That was a message about sin. Forgiveness is a message because unforgiveness is a sin. It is a sin that cancels out the cross. And Jesus, multiply, I mean, you read scripture, you find forgive, you're forgiven, but also forgive others, forgive others, forgive others, forgive others, forgive others, forgive others. That's in there. Jesus says it twice in Matthew, at least. He must be really emphasizing on something because he knows it's harder than maybe we just throw around the world. Yeah, I've forgiven them. 
So reflect on that. Ask God to help you through those because it can be tough. But I urge you to forgive as God has forgiven you. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment to remember you. For hallowed is your name. You are holy. You are mighty. It is your will to be done, not ours. Let your will be in our lives on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us what we do need each day. Provide us with what we just need today and help us not worry about our tomorrows. But Lord, help us to forgive. Teach us your forgiveness. Remind us of how much you've forgiven us. And we ask for that forgiveness even now. Whatever sins we've had, Lord, forgive us. Reveal to us, help us, guide us. But let us also reflect on how we forgive others to ensure that if that's the way we are to forgive, if our forgiveness and how you forgive us is how we forgive others, then let us let go of those small debts comparably. Lead us not into those temptations of sins, the temptations of holding on to grudges, the temptations of getting what we deserve. so that we may stay delivered from this evil one. Help us not to fall into those traps. Protect us, Holy Spirit. Work in us each day. And let us be light and love. Let, when people see you, well, how could you forgive? Let our testimony be because of how Jesus forgave us for the price he paid. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.